Hey there, humans, and welcome to another episode of Sinister Soup, the podcast where we discuss genre fiction through ridiculous conversation, discussions on books, debates, some dice rolling, and always drinking beer. As always, I am one of your co-hosts, Travis Vermolum. I am Clay Vermolum, the other co-host. And today we've got a pretty good show for you as we try to bring every week um, we are going to be discussing Game of Thrones, one of the most popular fantasy series of all time. Bam, 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 bam. I don't even think that's like debatably. That just is a fact. It is definitely one of the most popular. Oh, of yeah. All time. And deciding who by dice rolls, if that should be the most popular series or if it is a hawk of hooey and should definitely not be up there with the likes of Tolkien and Jordan. But we will also be bringing some culture and drinking some beer, which I'm pretty excited for the beer segment today because it's some local stuff. Uh, so yeah. we're going to start with culture. What would you bring this week, bro? All right. So this week on culture, I wanted to talk about a collection of poems, actually, mm-hmm. um, from a fellow author. I met her on LinkedIn. Her name is Kirsten Cliff Elliott. And her collection of poetry, it's uh, mostly haiku style poetry, is titled Patient Property. Um, This is, yeah, like I said, a collection of haikus and short form poetry, which just does a fantastic job of walking us through what it's like to be a survivor of a terminal illness what it's like in the hospital what it's like to your family members and what it's like being the patient um, themselves it's a it's amazing how with short form poetry uh she manages to put us in that world so thoroughly i do not have that gift as a poet um but i always can appreciate those who can and instead of just rambling about it, I actually wanted to read one of the reviews for her work because I thought it was just did a better job of saying what's great about this collection in a way that I never could so eloquently. Right on. In Patient Property, Kirsten Cliff Elliott gives us poems chiseled from her own mortality. Those who've worked with cancer patients or walk similar treatment paths with those they love cannot fail to appreciate the haunting truth within her words. But Elliot's clear and concise language, as well as fresh imagery and metaphors, means her work is easily accessible to anyone, regardless of their background or experience. And the reason I chose that review is because I think it's very true. Uh, <laughs> I, I know people who know people who have been through these things. I know people who have been through these things, but I personally haven't had a ton of experience having to be in that room, whether it be support uh, as a supporter or as a person in the patient chair. So, but reading these uh, tankas and haikus, um, yeah, you really, it really puts you in that place, but it does it in a way that's, it's coming from a place of education, a place of empathy, a place of understanding, not like a exploiting the darkness of those times for like artistic gain Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and i love that about it so i would highly recommend picking up a copy of patient property by kirsten cliff elliott it's it's really excellent yeah that sounds amazing and like just having poetry be a way that people can connect with an experience and actually feel heard which is definitely always a good thing i agree there's a lot of people out there in in situations 
uh, where this would be very relevant, I think. And a lot of the times, at least for me, being able to look at things that are difficult through an artistic lens can sometimes be a really therapeutic way to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This week for Brinson Culture, I have a artist. Uh, before I introduce the artist, I do have to issue an apology to a former uh, classmate who I actually don't think listens to the podcast, but if he does, <laughs> I'm just going to say, Dylan Vazbo, I'm very sorry for being a pretentious uh, 16-year-old when you asked me if I liked your art in the art show at Cup and Kai when we were in high school. Oh, no. And, and I said, uh, Western <laughs> art, like, ain't my thing. Oh, no. <laughs> you hipstered Dylan Vazbo? I was that kid. I, I hipstered oh, Dylan Vazbo. And I have come to very, very much... In fact, it's probably become up with my favorite style of art almost is Western art. And Dylan Vazbo, your stuff was good, man. But um, that's this isn't about Dylan Vazbo. I just had to say. <laughs> oh, he's not the artist. Okay. He's not the artist, although I really hope he's still painting because his stuff is amazing. Yeah, that Dylan Vazbo, we're sorry. Travis is sorry he hipstered you, but you're also not quite ready to be a, a call out on the podcast <laughs> well i don't know if he has a page if you, have, if you have a page dylan i will call you out on the podcast <laughs> um, but the page i want to talk about today is jason jason rich art and i mean i've already kind of introduced it he pretty much does like uh standard sort of western art very cowboy like classic indigenous people focused very like cm russell-y um, for those who don't know who C.M. Russell was, he was an activist and a cowboy and a poet and a painter and all around just renaissance man of the American West and one of my like historical idols. Um, and Jason Rich has a very similar style, I'd say, to him. Um, he paints just kind of the rugged countryside of the American West, especially in that sort of time. And I think he captures a lot of really cool raw emotion and he does so without like picking a side in any of it. He he displays both the indigenous people and sort of the, the colonizers in just kind of an honest light and a lot of the conflicts that happened and it's very respectful I feel like to the nature and to the sort of just bloody history that happened. And yeah, I just think he's a great artist. And if you like Western art, especially with the sort of cowboy theme and like to see that sort of rugged countryside painted on canvas, then check out Jason, Jason Rich Art on Instagram. I'll have to check that out. Jason Rich. Jason Rich. Yeah. And uh, never again will I say, it's just not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually not a good thing to say. There's always something good. There's very, most very forms of art, you know. few times you should say, it's just not my thing, bro. Maybe like um, if someone asks you to murder someone with them. That could be a time. That's not really my thing. No, that's not my thing. Mm-hmm. You know what is my thing? Rolling dice and beating you in debates. Oh, shots fired. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's so you want to introduce our work for the week? Yes. So this week we'll be debating Game of Thrones, uh, the TV show, primarily, because the the guy who claims he has ever beat me in a debate hasn't even read the books yet. Game of Thrones. Wasn't my thing, bro. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't your thing. Sure. Um, So Game of Thrones, the show, 
is what we'll be focused on today. Um, for those of you who don't know, it's on HBO, which means it's expensive. So if you haven't seen it when it was airing regularly, um, you either probably don't want to or um, plan on doing it when you can afford that. So for those of you who have not seen Game of Thrones, regardless, it's an epic fantasy series. Uh, like like many epic fantasy series in many ways, you know, there's kings and queens, there's lords and ladies, there's assassins and rogues and barbarians and people from all over the world. But it is written by George Martin, which means there's also substantially more death. There's a lot of political intrigue interlaced with um, physical conflicts. There's a lot of like characters to remember and I don't really know a, a succinct way to sum up Game of Thrones. Really, it's long story short, it's the story of Westeros and all the people who live in Westeros uh, struggling for power there. Yeah. Uh, f follows numerous characters from high lords down to peasants, just depending on their relevance to the story and to different plot lines. Many characters are killed off throughout the show, throughout the books. Um, so you are regularly like changing to points of view of characters you've never heard of. Sometimes they don't even have actual names. Sometimes they're just like the girl from the inn. And you read a whole story about this little peasant girl. And sometimes she evolves into a bigger character and sometimes not. Um, in the show, you primarily follow the biggest characters from the books um, who are from many of the noble houses. And then again, lower class citizens who are super relevant to the story. Yeah, it's a big epic fantasy full of battles and political intrigue and all that good stuff. There's a bit of magic, but it's definitely a... It's an interesting magic system. Actually, one of my favorites in fantasy because it's not like... I don't know. How would you describe it, Travis? It's almost like magic. It, you're never really quite sure magic exists, and then suddenly it totally does, and you've just been wrong the whole series. Yeah, I would just describe it as it's very tied into like much like religion it's you have like doubt even after like proof you still have doubts of like oh did i actually witness that like was that actually real mm -hmm. but then like you see it again and again and it's like okay now i have to start believing it's kind of like that would be how i would describe it right and there's just moments where it's like okay that is real mm-hmm um, but other than that, it's pretty soft magic. Yeah. Kind of loosely defined, spiritually influenced. It always comes from like sort of a, a higher power of some sort. And there's various forms of what that looks like, depending on the mm -hmm. kind of magic you're doing. So it's pretty interesting. But yeah, long story short, it's a big epic fantasy. I can't summarize the plot for you here. If you like epic fantasy that's heavy on the political intrigue and then check out Game of Thrones. Now we're going to debate the show. We're going to see what do Travis and I actually think of it. All right. There are plenty of fantasies we don't like. Let's plenty roll. that we do. Let's find out. Nat 20. I got a five. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. So, winner, you are providing the defense, correct? All right. <clears throat> I mean, there's a reason I can't summarize Game of Thrones, and that's because it is so vast and so wonderful that it's it's impossible to sum up 
everything that is Game of Thrones in a little synopsis. You could maybe do that with each book, but even or with each uh, season of the show, but you would be severely pushing it to try to do that even. This is one of the most elaborate, all-encompassing worlds that has ever been built by any fantasy author in the history of the game. And George Martin has revolutionized the way that fantasy is made. He's revolutionized the way it is seen by popular culture. And he, along with the team at HBO, have revolutionized and reawakened fantasy as a valid source of consumer television content. You would have been hard pressed to find like a solid fantasy series before Game of Thrones on TV. There's a few that are decent, but there's none other than Game of Thrones that compete at the top level that win like, that sweep the Emmys. Like the only show that even was close to like competing with Game of Thrones is like Breaking Bad. They're on the same level. And like usually fantasy's like, oh yeah, this is pretty fun, but like the CGI is cheap, the costumes are a little cheesy, you know, unless it's Lord of the Rings. That's the only other thing I can think like even compares when it comes to quality. And largely that quality is from the content material, but it's also really, really hard to pull off those big epic stories in a condensed format that's required for television and movies mm. and game of thrones series is one of the few that's ever managed to do it uh, a perfect example to the contrary would be like the witcher and the witcher is a substantially smaller story than game of thrones mm. but it's so easy to fall prey to like everything should be epic sword fights and cool monsters and cgi mm -hmm. that it's rare that a that a series manages to forego some of that for like how about instead this entire episode is dialogue and not only does it do that but it just rakes in fans just mm -hmm. rakes in money and all at the same time and that's because it's good like even people who aren't huge fans of the series or who don't know a lot about film they still know good when they see it and that's why game of thrones like swept the emmys five years in a row i think hbo i have a problem with formulas uh, formulaic things bother me and HBO has had a formula ever since The Sopranos um, and pretty much every show after The Sopranos has just been The Sopranos with a different lens <laughs> um, and Game of Thrones I really thought once you told me a lot about the book and how like awesome of an epic, epic fantasy it was I thought it would be maybe different that HBO would kind of branch out from their like gritty realism formula where you know you have no character who's truly actually likable they all have a problem and we're gonna have like a lot of sitting down and talking about killing people and then that'll lead up to the actual killing of the people and blah 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 it's a mob show that's just game of thrones it's the sopranos with swords and um <laughs> i really thought it would be a little different i thought hbo was taking a risk when they picked it up I watched quite a few seasons late because um, when it started, I was still a teenager and uh, we had parents that I respect that they didn't really let us watch like really bad things until we were of an age to do so. So I definitely started a few seasons late and kind of binge watched those first three. And yeah, I was a little disappointed. Um, 
I mean, you can't, I can't sit here and tell listeners that it's not well made, that HBO didn't pour tons of money into it and do what HBO does, and that is amp up production value. That would just be me lying straight to the viewers or listeners. So I can't, I can't tell you that. Like it's, it looks great <laughs> like, and it's acted well. And Tyrion Lannister um, played by Peter Dinklage is probably one of the best performances I've seen on HBO since James Gandolfini as Tony Soprano, because he's basically medieval Tony Soprano. He's like a smart guy that just outwits everybody and has a lot of issues and he's a drinker and slips around a lot but you love him anyway because he's he's tony soprano he's peter he's you know um Tyrion lannister but that's pretty much my my main gripe with it is i think they had a basis of like really creative things they could have done and they kind of like boiled it down to their formula that they just always take and sometimes risks don't pay off the witcher you already brought that up as an example they took some risks they put it on netflix they kind of Netflix did their sort of formula of like big action and smaller sets and it didn't pay off. Um, but I really would like to see a little bit more sort of risk taking from HBO instead of just like, Hey, the Sopranos worked, the wire worked. Let's do the Sopranos and the wire forever. (laughs) I don't disagree that the wire is the Sopranos again. Um, but I got to say this season one of the Sopranos happened three years after a Game of Thrones, the first book from George R. R. Martin. And 90% of the dialogue in the first three and four, three or four seasons of the show is from the books directly. So if anybody copied anybody, whoever wrote the Sopranos, maybe they were reading some George R. R. Martin. That's all I got to say. That could be it. But let me tell you the other problem that HBO has. And they had it with The Sopranos. They didn't have it with The Wire. I've heard. I haven't finished The Wire. But HBO's problem is finishing. And they did not do well in The Sopranos. It's a terrible ending. And they absolutely did not do well with Game of Thrones. It is one of the most atrocious TV series endings I have ever seen. And it is so bad that what could have been a show that was rewatched forever, like religiously, now probably plummeted in views. Not even probably. I know for a fact it has plummeted in views. I know people who cannot go back and rewatch it because the last season, season eight, literally tainted the show for them. They loved it. They were huge fans. They thought it was the best thing, the creme de la creme. But when they watch season eight, they just, it leaves a bad taste knowing how it all ends. Like, and HBO has had this problem consistently. They never know how to finish their series. And when they get to that final sort of concluding season, they just like try and rush everything and they botch it. And they think they can give an ending that's like kind of open-ended. So maybe we can get more money out of it. And it's just terrible. It leaves fans with a bad taste in their mouth. And it plummets their rewatchability. And that's Game of Thrones to a like T. Season eight is atrociously written. The characters are awful. None of their choices make sense. The writers literally admit to forgetting things. Like what? <laughs> sounds um, like sounds like a little case of uh 
it's not really my thing. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's your problem, bro. This is no, just I Dylan Vasbo all over again. No, I think my I problem. I think it is. I think my problem is when you literally can watch an interview of two of the writer, the two writers for a series saying like to an interviewer who's like, hey, what happened with this? Like this was supposed to happen. And then it just like this happened instead. Oh, yeah, we forgot that we wrote that. <laughs> That's literally what they said. You can't even deny that as a debate point. Like they forgot something they wrote three episodes prior. That is terrible. That's true. That's not a good mark on their record. But all like some of the most epic battle scenes were in those final two seasons. And if HBO is going to pull the plug, then they got to do what they got to do to like resolve the series. So they found out where those character arcs were going, and they found a way to resolve it within the time they had. You can't blame the net. You can't really blame the network for the quality of the show. And there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people <coughs> like you, <coughs> who, um, you know, will turn their noses up at a little bit more of an action-packed and fast-paced ending to Fear a show like Game of Thrones. Beer of the week. Fear of the week. Fear of the week. Fear I'm glad you cut me off week. right there. I didn't yeah. want to try to continue arguing that. Nope. Season eight is trash. <laughs> Season six, you're right. You're trash. Yes, that's all I have to say about that. All right. What are you drinking? I'm drinking the German Heffenweizen from Hellbent. They didn't get too creative with the name, but let's see how they did with the taste. I, I got a warm spot in my heart for Hellbent. All right. Um... Well, I am home, as you know. Our mm -hmm. home is Cupback, Montana, and Cupback, Montana has a little brewery now called yeah. Cupback Creek Brewery that is actually run by, I think Louis is what, like a third third cousin? Something like that. Yeah, he's related to us somehow. Anyway, he is. He, it is the all-class reunion this weekend, um, so he made a purple beer for our mm. high school colors. Wow. And it's called the Wolf Pack because our, our mascot's wolves. It is a blueberry um, bock. Okay. So I'm going to try it. Sweet. It is purple. Well done, Louie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing, but I'm behind it. All right. Cheers. Cheers. How is it? How do you do? Pretty dang good. I mean, it's light. It's definitely blueberry, mm. but it's not too strong. You would hate it because you don't like sweets, but I like it. I like a subtle berry in my beer, though. Okay, you might. It's, you might. It's enjoy a subtle it. berry. Mm -hmm. It's a subtle berry. Nice. Uh, this Heffenweizen is really tasty. The strong front load of wheat flavor with like an orangey, citrusy after finish. Um, I like it a lot better than like Blue Moon. I think they did a really good job with the balance here. Nice. And it's even up a, a percent from your average Belgian, so mm. or Belgians like wheat beer, citrusy wheat beer. Um, it's a Hefeweizen, and not a Belgian, but kind of tastes like a Belgian. Mm. Um, yeah, it's really good though. I used to drink at uh, Hellbent all the time because one of my best friends, Cody, lived right across the street from it. So fond memories of that place. It's an awesome brewery, and the the owners are really cool. So if you're ever in the North Seattle area. You should go check out Hellbent. It's awesome. And if you're ever in Cupbank, Montana, there's only one brewery to check out. <laughs> it's, yeah, 
You're going to have to go there if you want. You just go up to the one stoplight and take a left and then another left and you're there. (laughs) All right. Cool. Well, let's get into what we actually think about Game of Thrones. Uh, I was the opposition. I can start. I half lied. I do not think Game of Thrones is just The Sopranos again. And I don't think The Wire is just The Sopranos again. I actually think HBO has done a pretty dang good job, especially with their comedies as well, mixing up their content. Barry is Um, great. Yeah. I do think the production value as well, like I said, is amazing. The acting was amazing. For five seasons, that was in the running to be called one of the greatest shows of all time. Or Absolutely. If not, if not the. Um, Absolutely. I probably wouldn't say the, uh, but it was up there. It was up there in my top five for sure. And that's where I didn't lie in this debate. Uh, six through eight really yeah. do put a foul taste in your mouth about it. I mm-hmm. tried to rewatch season one recently, and I just kind of was like, eh. What's the point? <laughs> like, <laughs> I know what this becomes. Like, I I don't really know if I want to watch it grow up again. Mostly eight. Eight was just so botched. But I do want to. I do want to real quick say, I am never going to be one of the people that's like, reshoot season eight and like Twitter mm-hmm. hashtagging it because one, the production value never dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, True. Some of some of the cinematography in season eight is like the most gorgeous stuff I've ever seen on television. Oh, it was beautifully shot. Oh, a few of the scenes in the city at the end when Daenerys burns everything down and like the winds coming over her, I was like, okay, kudos to the production people. They did their job. The two (laughs) who didn't do their job were the writers. (laughs) No. Season eight is atrociously written. And it really sucks because as you can notice as soon as they ran out of book, they just didn't know what they were doing. And it shows. Yeah, dude. It's like tragically bad. Because mm-hmm. I agree with you even more so when I used to argue that Game of Thrones was the best show of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, for all the reasons I said, I don't think Game of Thrones plays any small role in the reemergence of D&D is a popular thing. In the reemergence of Magic the Gathering is a popular thing. In the reemergence of all things fantasy. I think Game of Thrones is a big part of that. Yeah. I mean, this started shooting about a decade or over a decade ago, it seems like. When did it start shooting? Yeah, probably a decade ago or over a decade for sure. I think 12, 12 years or so. And it's kind of in that time. And I'm not saying Game of Thrones is the only reason. But it's a big part of it. Oh, for sure. It brought so many geeks out of the woodwork, and it brought so many people into geekdom. Mm-hmm. Because, like, especially before being a geek was cool, which, like, it is now, we were pretty we were pretty ready to take in anybody, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were like, yeah, yeah, you like Game of Thrones? Awesome. You know, that's cool. Mm-hmm. And then it became... Oh, well, you think you don't like fantasy? Have you seen Game of Thrones? Because mm-hmm. I think you will like it. Mm-hmm. And it kind of became this like geek gateway drug in a lot of ways. I know so many people who watched all of Game of Thrones and just loved it, who I would have never pegged as fantasy fans, and who I know have never read another, have never read those books or any fantasy books. 
Yeah, I think the the like comparison that can be made um, that I think is around the same time and did the same thing. So like Lord of the Rings were X Men and Spider Man, Sam Mm -hmm. Raimi Spider Man. Mm -hmm. Those two were kind of in the same vein. Then Game of Thrones is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like it's the thing that has just made fantasy just as popular as MCU has made like comedy. Like you can walk up to anybody now and be like, "Who's your favorite superhero?" And they're gonna be like, "Oh yeah, I know like all the MCU characters because the MCU." You can do the same with like fantasy now, almost of like, "Oh, who's your like favorite Game of Thrones character?" Oh, I definitely love Tyrion, man. It's like, if you would have done that in the the '90s when the books were written, people would be like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> like, what is what is Game of Thrones?" Well, yeah, and like I know so many people that play D and D now, and they're mm-hmm. like the jocks. They're like everybody. Everybody has played like a D&D campaign now. Mm-hmm. And that was not the case when I was younger. It was like, if I asked somebody like, oh, what, what do you like to play in D&D? They'd be like, I don't play D&D. I have friends and get laid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now it's like, you want to get laid? Come join my D&D group. Got like six hot chicks. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're definitely right in that. And one of my favorite quotes about that is Brendan Lee Mulligan from uh, College Humor. He has a D&D show. He said he just hates gatekeepers because he wants to go shake them and be like, do you want to go back to the dark times? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, we are in the enlightenment period. Leave it alone. <laughs> Women come play D&D after they go to yoga. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> we don't go back to the dark times. But anyway. Yeah. Um, yes, exactly. So that's just, that's that's one of the many things that I think the show did really well. I agree with you completely, though. Like, yeah, I used to argue that it was the greatest show of all time. I, I specifically had this debate many times with my friends Jake and Kyle, who were like Breaking Bad fanatics. Mm-hmm. And we would always argue the points of those two shows against each other because they really were, in my opinion, the two best shows in like our modern modern generation. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't think anything even is close to how good they were in as far as TV shows. Mm-hmm. And I would still argue ever um, excluding like comedy in terms of like drama, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but now I would not because of their finish. Mm-hmm. Now I would say Breaking Bad is definitively the better show. And we had this argument for like years and years. So now I can't even bring it up without them kind of like looking at me with a little <laughs> smile. They're like, we we all know who was victorious in this debate. <laughs> yeah. Because Breaking Bad finished strong as hell. Oh, that's probably the only satisfactory ending besides like the only dramatic satisfactory ending I've ever seen on television. It's fantastic. And yeah. Game of Thrones just completely blew it. Just oh. blew it on so many levels, deep levels. They botched it. It was terrible. They abandoned everything they stood for. Everything that the show was just went right out the window. Everything that made the show good and realistic and raw just turned into like a roller coaster ride. It was so, so bad. Yeah, I hate to like adhere to hearsay or like like give hearsay any ground. But like I really do think the rumors were true that they just wanted out of there. Um, They got their big money bags deal from lucas films and we're about to go right for star wars and they were like okay let's like finish this up and peace out let's like 
we don't care what it looks like. And, clearly. Yeah, I mean, clearly. That, that happened from somebody. It I did. don't know who it was that ultimately like tipped the scales in that direction. But it went being from a show that like captured the souls of the whole world. Launched the career of fifty people. Like fifty actors that you mm-hmm. never heard or that you never heard of. Even if they'd been out there grinding, you know? Like the guy who plays Peter Baelish is in a ton of British movies. All mm-hmm. those actors have been in stuff. Some haven't. Some have never been in anything. <laughs> yeah. uh, but they did such a fantastic job of that in that show. Like uh, the guy who plays Sam, he that was his first role. You know, another thing I think it started, and this is a testament to how good it used to be. I don't ever remember seeing like bars play a show, mm-hmm. like have a whole viewing. Like that's a regular thing now. I've seen it happen with other shows now, but I really mm-hmm. think Game of Thrones was so good that they were the first ones. I have watched tons of YouTube videos of like entire sports bars just full. Every TV screen is Game of Thrones and mm-hmm. like people mm-hmm. are there and they're like freaking out. Just like watching a soccer match. It's like that never happened before. That's how good it was. And then they botched the end. Yeah. Well, it's like MASH, you know. Like mm-hmm. the largest attended finale in all of, of history. Mm-hmm. Or like everybody was home that night to turn on MASH as soon as it started. Mm-hmm. You know? And if there would have been sports bars, they would have been filling the sports bars to watch mm-hmm. MASH. Just like this. You know, it, it was on the level of that good. Like legendarily, amazingly good. And uh, by the way, that is the best show of all time. MASH is your argument? Mm-hmm. All right. It is that, so good. That's solid. That's, it's so ahead of its time. That is definitely one you can't argue too much with. I'm I'm still a huge Seinfeld guy, but, you know. I'm excluding comedy. But MASH is a comedy. It is not. It is both. <laughs> it is a. It is sl- strongly slants drama in the in the penultimate seasons. Oh, that's true. But like, it's hilarious too. <laughs> it's both. You could argue it's the best in both those categories, but I'm classifying it as a drama as the best of all time. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, but that's not the point. Um, <laughs> no. Game of Thrones. I used to think drama wise was better than Mash up through season five. Mm-hmm. Uh, partly because it's so directly up my alley with the fantasy. I'm a huge George Martin fan. Um, I've read all his work, and it's all amazing. All his work that he allows people to read anyway. The characters in that show, the visceral reality of it, that's just like, ugh. It's just gut-wrenchingly real sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I, I really do believe what I said. It revolutionized storytelling as a whole. Mm-hmm. Not just in the in that genre, but it certainly awakened a lot of things in the fantasy genre, which could have gone on being stale. But I think it kind of gave the genre a kick in the pants that it really mm-hmm. needed. Yeah. And I mean, now we've got because of it, Amazon got has two shows coming out to compete. I mean, just I mean, and that's just the honest of it. People are like, oh, no, they're not trying to be the next Game of Thrones. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Yes, yes they are. They are. And, like, I hope they're better. Like, I hope that the this rule of competition prevails, that they just want to be better, so they make a better show. I mean, they spent half a million, half a billion dollars 
mm-hmm. on the first season of the Lord of the Rings television series. Um, right. And mm-hmm. Wheel of Time is not much lower in a price tag. So we could be thanking Game of Thrones, despite its terrible ending, for bringing us some really solid fantasy series to come, which we don't have a lot of movies or series. Fantasy is a hard genre to find really good visual content for. Yeah, and I mean, would you agree with the point I made? I can't think of a single one. TV. The only thing I can even think that's close, like even in the ballpark of as good as Lord of the Rings. Oh, for movies? I Yeah, mm. I would argue I like the Lord of the Rings movies better than Game of Thrones, but that's just because I like Lord of the Rings a little better, I think. But I do TV not love lo- yeah. mm-hmm. TV series, there's nothing. I mean, nothing well, even close Vikings and Vikings is like a CW drama. Like it's I liked it, but it's not that great. <laughs> yeah, Viking is solid, but it's also not fantasy. No. And like, historical fiction. I can't think of anything else. No, you're right. Yeah. Lord of the Rings is better. <laughs> <laughs> Just period. But I do not agree with you book wise. I, I like the Song of Ice and Fire far more than Lord of the Rings. And I've, I've got to read more of them, but um, I don't know. I just feel like I'm learning now that we have very slightly different tastes mm-hmm. totally. in books. I love the books you've suggested. It's not that I don't love them. Like, I really liked The Name of the Wind. I don't mm-hmm. like it as much as Wheel of Time. I really like Game of Thrones. I don't like it as much as Lord of the Rings. You know, Well, you haven't finished it. That's true. <laughs> the first uh, book isn't going to make book. you like it as much as Lord of the Rings. Yeah. You need to get to like book five and then you're like, this is just epic. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I hear you, though. I didn't like the poppy war as much as you did, though. I did like it. Oh, yeah. And I, lo- I think that's like our taste is like we both love the things we've suggested to each other. But usually it's like one person likes the other one more. So, yeah, I think that sums up pretty well what we think of Game of Thrones and a lot of other things. <laughs> if you haven't watched it yet. I really do recommend, and I mean, people always recommend this, right? And you never listen to them. But please, listen to me, my listeners. You're listening to this. Please listen to the advice herein. Watch Game of Thrones. And no matter how bad you want to keep watching, after the finale of Season 5, don't. (laughs) Yeah, just Just (laughs) stop watching. Just stop watching and pick up the books and read and and just hope that George Martin finishes them someday and that you can get the real ending. Do not watch season six through eight. It is just atrocious. Just look up like battle highlights on YouTube and you'll be good. Yeah, battle highlights. That'll be fine. (laughs) Like watch best battles from season six, best battles from season seven, best battles from season eight. And you'll know how the show basically ends, and you'll see all the stuff worth seeing from yep. those seasons. It'll be good. Everything else is trash, mm-hmm. especially season eight. It is just bad, just atrocious. But seasons one through five are some of the best television that's ever been created in the history of television. So. Without a doubt. All right. All right. I'm going to say that's, uh, that's about a podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in to Sinister Soup today. Again, our shout-outs for Bring Some Culture this week were Kirsten Cliff Elliott and her collection of haiku and tonka poetry, Patient Property, A Journey Through Leukemia. And Travis, yours? 
Jason Rich Art on Instagram, a Western artist painting cowboys and indigenous peoples. Yeah, give those two amazing artists a look. Give them a read. Give them a follow. And uh, keep supporting good art everywhere that you can. Because without supporters, this good art cannot continue to exist. On that note, uh, you can find me at ClayfordMullenFiction.com if you want to read any of the stuff that I put out or if you want to follow my newsletter, that would be excellent. I release a new short story every month and I have a few things self-published on there. I also release a weekly blog about cryptids and monsters and uh, folklore. So that's a lot of fun if you're into that sort of thing. And Travis, where can people find you? Uh, Instagram at tvermolemog or uh, TikTok at tvermolem. I haven't made a lot of TikToks recently, though, but uh, yeah, those are the two places. Until next week, I have been Clay Vermolem. And I have been Travis Vermolem. And we are both still those people. Bye.